Hello, good morning, friends, and welcome to another Zenster podcast. We are getting up there, getting close to 100. I think this is the 95th episode, which is pretty cool, just for a dude in his basement with a computer and a microphone just sitting here rambling every day. Um, so at least for the 100 milestone, maybe we'll do a longer episode or something whenever that comes up here towards the end of the week. Um, but in any event, um, today is going to be a wonderful day. Pura Vida, Wabi Sabi. And what are you thankful for today? Well, I'm thankful for <clears throat> many things. And as I do my daily gratitude practice, I am able to get that in. Um, and I want to address some of the current events here. Um, but let's start out with some Epictetus, which we're gonna is going to be a theme this week. We're going to focus on some Epictetus. Um, he says, set the standards and use them. This is from Ryan Holiday's book, uh, The Daily Stoke. When the standards have been set, things are tested and weighed. And the work of philosophy is th just this, to examine and uphold the standards, but the work of a truly good person in using those standards when they know them. We go through our days responding and reacting, but it's rare re really, to really pause and ask, is this thing I'm about to do consistent with what I believe? Or better, is this kind of thing the person I would like to be should do? The work of living is to set standards and then not compromise them. When you're brushing your teeth, choosing your friends, losing your temper, falling in love, instructing your child, or walking your dog, all these are opportunities. Not, I want to do good, that's an excuse, but I will do good in this particular instance, right now. Set a standard, hold fast to it. That's all there is. And I think at the core of this is the value systems and the ethos of um, the Stoic philosophers and how they view life. Um, so, you know, over the weekend, a war was uh, called and between Israel and the Hamas terrorist group. You know, it's so interesting because religion has been used for justification of war for thousands of years and here we are you know humanity repeating um the same human tendencies that humanity does and um it's sad really uh, but you have to understand that this is you know the nature of humanity and this is what humans do and they've done forever and we can't um get in the way of that i mean you only hope that cooler heads prevail but we must sort of go with what is within our control even if we're you know directly involved in this um you know this heinous war in this heinous uh loss of life you know we have to accept you know reality on reality's terms and you know fulfill our, our roles in whatever it is that we need to do um you know it just the thing that kept running through my mind is these people that are fighting this war over the same you know over land and over religious differences they're fighting against the same god it's the same God at you know at the end 
of the at the end of the um, tunnel, you know, for lack of a better term. They're fighting against the same God. They're fighting each other, you know, doing what we talked about last week, doing on to, you know, what you do to others, you're doing to yourself. They're fighting themselves. They're hurting themselves. But, you know, this is perhaps, you know, the birth pangs of, uh, of a new world being born. I don't know. It's certainly bigger than just, you know, the religious aspect. There's proxy wars that are woven into this, and it's really about control of a lot of supply chains and energy. And um, it's competition. It's what humans do. And it's unfortunate. I don't like it. don't have to like it. But that's what it is. So, um, you know, we pray and we... Um, for all those people involved in this situation. I don't really like to pick a side because like I said, they're both kind of fighting the same same God. So it's pretty stupid all around. But um, all those people that are doing the, the bad things, you know, there's bad things that are, you know, it's a karmic action that will come back and haunt them at some point. And it's very unfortunate, but that's human nature. Uh, you know, th these are some things that are outside of my control. And while I don't like it, you know, I understand it and have to accept the way it is. Um, as much as I don't like to put it there, you know, I have to focus what's on uh, within control of my life. And that is being able to share some insights. And um, this week I wanted to kind of stick with the stoic theme on Epictetus and um, just kind of do an introduction to Epictetus and who he was and to be honest I you know I read a lot of the Stoic text and I had gotten them mixed up but I'm gaining some deeper insights um, into uh, some of these things you know because the Stoic philosophers they get fossilized because it's been so long I mean Marcus Aurelius stands out <clears throat> for his meditations which I've read but I'm, in, in full disclosure, I've never read uh, Epictetus's disclosures. <laughs> so, um, but who was Epictetus? He was born around 50 AD in Heriopolis, uh, Phygria, modern-day Turkey. And um, he was born into slavery. And he served in Rome as a slave to Epaphrodius, uh, wealthy freedman and a secretary to the emperor Nero and Epictetus was uh, a slave he was introduced to Stoic philosophy uh, by attending lectures by the Stoic Musonius Rufus um, and if you don't know who Musonius Rufus is uh, he was a Stoic philosopher and he was dubbed the Roman Socrates and he was a prominent philosopher of the first century and Epictetus's teacher, of course, and um, he wasn't widely as known as, say, Seneca or Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus himself, but he was a, uh, played a crucial role in the development of Stoic philosophy during his times. His lectures uh, provided different insights and in practical Stoic philosophy and its application in everyday life. And that's the one thing that I was taking away on one of the books I'm reading that... Uh, 
um, whatever it is. See, I'm forgetful of like simple titles, but I remember deep uh, principles, a guide to a good life. Um, the ancient art of practicing stoicism. Uh, but, you know, the one thing they talked about there is you don't have to subscribe to a set stoicism. You know, you can form your own. And that's the one thing I like to do is take samples from the teachings of all the religious practices and try to form my own opinion. And because, you know, as I was saying, you know, these these uh, religious, uh, secular religion has been used in for so many bad things. You know, I got guilted yesterday by my mother for, I talked to her on the phone and just small talk and somehow she's like, oh, you went to church this morning. She knows I don't go to traditional mass. Um, although, you know, I do, I went to the Christmas mass last year or maybe it's year before, but either way, I find some value in it and value in the teachings. But the secular side of it just has turned me off because I was raised Catholic and it was, you know, uh, oh, right as I was, uh, whatever year it was, 2003 or something, where they basically revealed all the the pedophilia happening, and it, it was just such a turnoff that, you know, I saw how, and I saw the cover-up, and, you know, they basically um, didn't take ownership of it, and, you know, some of the things they do, it just turned me off. So I, I'm not very fond of um, the organization, and although I see value in it, um, there, you know, I, I, but that's my own personal preference, but I told her, I said I was with God yesterday. I was, went on a four mile walk with my dogs, you know, uh, most of it was silent, um, no headphones, but then I listened to my stoic book on, uh, for about a mile and a half on the way back. And, um, you know, it's just me giving thanks along the way and, and talking to the trees and, and, different things like that and I've discovered my own path and um so I like I said I like to take samples from all these different you know I see all these different religions and all these different philosophies and you know they all have a very similar theme and so I like to sample them and form my own opinion so I hope that you do too I suggest you do um but you don't have to listen to me I'm just a dude so, um, but anyway, back to Rufus, Marsonius, Musonius Rufus. Um, but a lot of his uh, teachings and only fragments and uh, small pieces of it are, have survived. Um, but what we know, it, recorded by his student Lucius, Lucius, um, some of his main themes were philosophy as a way of life. He believed that philosophy wasn't merely an academic pursuit, but a guide to living a virtuous and meaningful life. You can see this uh, in Epictetus's um, teachings. He emphasized the importance of practicing, and this is, again, Marcinius Rufus, uh, the teacher of Epictetus. Um, but it, he believed it wasn't merely an academic pursuit, but a guide for living. The importance of practicing what one learns, a theme of his students. Um, and this is something Epictetus would develop further. Um, and sort of progressive for his time, Musonius argued that women are just as capable of practicing philosophy and virtue as men. 
believe that both genders possess the same natural capacity for reason, and thus should have equal opportunities for education and philosophical instruction. Uh, he believed that the primary goal of education should be to improve one's character. Uh, for Musonius, learning was less about accumulating knowledge and more about cultivating virtue and wisdom. Uh, he saw marriage as a partnership based on mutual respect and shared goals. He believed that the primary purpose of marriage was companionship and the creation of a shared life based on virtue. And I believe that too. He also emphasized the importance of parents educating their children in philosophy and virtue. Um, like other Stoics, Musonius recommended aesthetic, ascetic practices to train one's will and develop self-control including occasional fasting and abstaining from luxurious foods or practicing physical hardships to strengthen one's character. Of course, this, you know, that value of hardship would be beneficial as opportunities to practice virtue and resilience. He often spoke of the importance of endurance in facing in the face of adversity. And um he believed in the dignity of manual labor, argued that one's profession should be in harmony with the Stoic values. He cautioned against the professions that could compromise one's virtue or integrity. And he the, also saw the Stoic individual as an integral part of the larger community. He emphasized the social responsibility and believed that living virtuously entailed working for the common good. So that's who taught Epictetus. So you can kind of see where he gets some of his uh, philosophy. So back to his storyline. Um, wow. So he studied under Musonius Rufus. Eventually he was granted his freedom through exact circumstances, which are uh, a little unclear. So after this, he, after his freedom, he began teaching philosophy in Rome and established himself as one of the leading Stoic philosophers of his time. Um, and during his teachings, he, some of his core teachings were the dichotomy of control. This was one of the uh, central tenet of his philosophy and is the idea of understanding and accepting what is within our control and what is not. He believed that our own beliefs, judgments, and actions are within our control while external events and the actions of others are beyond our control. So by focusing our energies on what we can control, we can achieve tranquility and freedom from suffering. This means accepting the nature, the natural course of events without negative emotional reactions. So as I alluded to earlier with the ongoing events in our epoch, in our given time, you have to learn to accept some of these things without um, having a negative emotional reaction and that's hard especially as you are peppered with uh images and you know understand these are propaganda and i'm seeing some of these and i'm refusing to engage in them I'm not even trying to look at them there's all kinds of nasty things going on out there and i don't think it's worth really exploring war is hell and you don't have to get your mind involved in it to understand what is going on um, because they are designed to make you want to choose a side. But again, they're fighting the same God. Um, Epictetus, uh, as far as it goes, the role of ethics, he emphasized the importance of recognizing our roles in life, whether that's a parent, a child, a citizen, 
and you know performing them to the best of our ability. Um, this goes for people who are soldiers and are fighting. Um, you know, one might even think that Epictetus believed that you know you must do it with honor and duty. Um, our duties, according to these rules, should guide our actions. Acting in accordance with our roles and social ex expectations would lead to a harmonious life. Epictetus also taught individuals to possess an inner citadel, a fortress of the mind that remains impregna impregnable to external misfortunes and adversities. This concept aligns with the idea that we cannot control external events. We can always control our internal reactions to them. By cultivating this inner resilience, one can remain undisturbed by external hardships. Um, on emotions and judgments, Epictetus believed that it's not the events themselves, but our judgments about them that cause emotional reactions. Negative emotions such as anger, fear, sadness arise from our misguided judgments or beliefs. By correcting these judgments and aligning them with reality, one can achieve emotional tranquility. So uh, one, of, one of the terms I like to embrace is reality on reality's terms. So you can't change what is going on outside of you, only how you can respond to them and accepting them as part of the discipline of that inner citadel. Um, <clears throat> the, of course, you know, like most philosophers, Epictetus uh, didn't uh, talk, he didn't practice just understanding Stoic uh, principles, but practice, practicing them in everyday life. So he recommended various exercises to train the mind and align one's life with Stoke principles. This includes practicing discomfort, reflecting on negative events in positive light, or mentally rehearsing potential challenges. So that negative visualization, uh, which I still have a hard time because of, I, I think of like, you know, if you uh, think about it too much and visualize it too much, it can also manifest itself. But it's also good to prepare for the worst and hope for the best and understand, you know, prepare your mind to accept things that you can't control, you know, worst case scenarios. Um, of course, on a common Stoic belief, Epictetus uh, often emphasized the transient nature of life and the inevitability of death. Instead of fearing death or change, he taught that one should accept them as natural parts of existence. This acceptance would allow one to live a fuller and more fearless life, because fear is a paralyzer and will um, will rob you of your present moment uh, for fear of future events. Um, it is good to you know accept the natural parts of existence and reality and this will help you become more fearless and more fulfilled uh, for Epictetus true freedom was internal one might be physically enslaved or imprisoned don't forget he was uh, born into slavery their mind and spirit could remain free if they held the right philosophical perspective so <clears throat> remember that these teachings were developed and taught during his time at Rome and they were further refined and expanded on his later years. Uh, and Nicopolis, um, and at that point, he was uh, 
and Nicopolis he founded a school where he taught until his death. This uh, school uh, was a tra school attracted many students, and his teachings were widely respected. Um, this was in 93 A.D. The emperor <clears throat> Domitian banished all philosophers from Rome, and that's why he moved into the northwestern part of Greece and started teaching this school. Um, but his legacy endures. He didn't write any books himself, and his teachings were recorded by one of his students, Arian. Um, these notes became the foundational texts that have made Epictetus one of the best-known Stoics. Uh, dis discourses and, uh, and Crition, uh, often translated to handbook or manual, are some of his well-known works, and we'll dive a little deeper into those this week. Um, but they've been instrumental into spreading the Stoic philosophy. And it, he has a timeless impact on a lot of his teaching. Um, enduring relevance, his, uh, his teachings have found renaissance across time, in influencing early Christian thought, Renaissance humanism, and modern self-help self movements. So a lot of the things you learn today, I'm sure Dale Carnegie was deeply influenced by a lot of Epictetus' teachings. And of course, his um, some of the later philosophers, including Marcus Aurelius, have been influenced by Epictetus' teachings. Um, so his journey, life journey from enslavement to being a revered philosopher, uh, speaks of transformative power of philosophy and the human spirit. His insights to the nature of control and acceptance and inner freedom remain as relevant today as they were two millennia ago. So, I hope you found some great value in this uh, episode about Epictetus and that you can practice some of his Stoic principles in your daily life. And um, today, we enjoy our present day. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you again next time.